All right, everyone. I'm excited to be joined by Floyd Landis. We were just talking who's more socially awkward, runners or cyclists. We'll get to that in a minute. But Floyd, I think you need a brief introduction. For the, you know, it's a running audience we got here. You grew up in a Mennonite community, left that behind to race bicycling professionally. You know, interrupt me if I'm getting any of this wrong. You're the official winner of the 2006 Tour de France for four days. Temporarily, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, you went, mounted a huge defense, raised half a million dollars, crowdfunded, wrote a book. What's the book title again? Positively False. Not my uh, finest moment. Right. You know, I had a lot of people, you know, defending you, essentially. Uh, I think you still think the system's flawed in terms of a lot in the prosecution. We can get to that. Then in 2010, you've totally reversed course and said, yeah, they're right. I was doping. So was everyone else doping. And I think without you, Lance Armstrong, people would still believe the fairy tale, maybe. Yeah, they, they liked it. I mean, it was a good story, right? And I'm, I, I'm a little bit conflicted on that as well because he still, I mean, he did inspire a lot of people. Right. But, and I also think to this day, he doesn't quite grasp that a lot of the the treatment he got afterwards was more a matter of um, the way he treated other people than it was about the doping. I mean, obviously that's what brought it down and obviously he would have been punished for that, but I think he was, yeah, not to go on a tangent about it, but, um, and, and also I don't wish any, any harm on the guy. I hope he recovers and goes on with his life. But um, the, the whole thing was complicated, complicated for me because I, I knew that he did inspire a lot of people and also didn't want to undercut that because it was meaningful to those people. Right. Um, but yeah, we can, we can talk about that when we get to the. the yes. Yeah, I mean, we used to get the na the nastiest emails we ever got on Let's Run would be if we even let people say Lance, they thought Lance was dirty. Yeah. Like, how dare you? Yeah. Such and such. It was crazy. Yeah. I saw it too. <laughs> they were directed straight at me, but I mean, it was like a religion of sorts for people. Well, nobody wants to feel like they've been duped either. So they're, they, they respond aggressively because they bought into it and it's not their fault. I mean, to some, to some extent it was reality, right? It, it, it inspired them or gave them hope and that's worth something. So yeah, they didn't want. Yeah. I mean, I loved watching the then. tour then. Yeah, it was awesome, I, wasn't it? Yeah, it was <laughs> great. I'm pretty sure I watched your year and I'm wondering if I've watched since. I'm not sure. You're not, I don't think you're solely responsible, well, but I'll take the some of this stuff I was reading about, like, was it stage 17? I don't know all the cycling stuff of the tour. And I was just like, like I'm pretty sure I watched that. That's nuts. Like, it sounds like the greatest cycling run, one day run, maybe right ever, or yeah. one of them. Yeah, it was something. But well, let me continue with your <laughs> intro here. So, your reverse course essentially, I, I feel like, made it possible for USADA to bring down Lance and a lot of other people. Then there's a lawsuit against Lance. You recently settled that for million you got a million dollars you're donating that back to the cycling team and even that i'm shocked at people's reactions i told some let's run people i was talking to you and this one this is our monday call yesterday and he's like i hate that guy more than lance i'm like what <laughs> like he's not even a runner usually it's for running but he's yeah. like he's profiting from this and I'm, which isn't the case no. i think the money's going to the thing being paid back we can get to that but it's crazy how people i don't know they put so much into other people and <laughs> yeah they're emotionally invested in it i mean it's across the board with sports, I guess, but it's funny. Sports get treated with a different sort of lens than the rest of life, right? People right. People respect and treat their their sports heroes or their sports team in in ways that are that are beyond rational. Oh yeah. Right. Beyond a rational approach. But my aunt told me one time and she's not really a big sports fan. She's like, 
I love the Dallas Cowboys. And I'm like, what? She goes, it's my three hour escape. Like, but then I think also they want it to be pure and yeah, innocent. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> we'll all debate how much. No, it's fascinating, it but yeah. And it's also the one time we can, I think as fans, people can just solely devote themselves to something like it's kind of inconsequential, right? Who's right. going to win the game or not? There's I was real in it, but then it's over. And yeah. And then life. it's yeah. like, you go back to the real world or whatever yeah. you want to call it. Um, but it's an escape. So then at some point, I feel like you went in a really dark period, drinking a lot, opioids. Was that sort of before the 2010, after mainly, or both? Yeah, it was probably both. I mean, it was after about, it got pretty bad after about 2008. You know, I went for, through a couple of years where I was defending myself. And I, I I mean, I know it's hard for people to put themselves in that situation. And for for me to try to justify it isn't quite fair either. But I, I really wanted to race my bike again. And, and I saw how cycling treats people that tell the truth like you don't you just don't come back and so it, it was the wrong decision but at the time I didn't I mean I didn't you don't have a long career in, in any sport if you're an athlete if you're a professional athlete right and um, I had a few years left that I was of the right age that I could have raced and I wanted to fight for that and um, yeah I mean in hindsight there was probably a better path but but you I mean in the denial of that? Yeah, of course. Yeah. And they're, yeah. And, and people, people have their opinions about it and what they would have done. And, and the best I can do is just try to say, look, here, here were the circumstances and here's why I did it. And you, you know, you don't have to agree that you would have done it, but at least, you know, don't, <laughs> don't take it too far. You know, it's like, it's not like I'm the devil here. I didn't, I, right. I, I didn't set out to do this in the first place. I got caught up in it and I, yeah, I made bad decisions, but it, I wasn't out there with anybody in the first place. That just never was the case. Yeah. I mean, we can get into that because it's amazing how, essentially, at first debate of what to call you. Well, let me finish your, <laughs> your story here. Then you went on. Now I feel like you're in a much better place. You're in a great relationship, it sounds like. You have a four-year-old daughter. You started this company, Floyd's of Leadville. You make, I guess there's a marijuana dispensary in Colorado, and then you make CBD products, which it sounds like my audience is going to love because if you can help people recover better, feel better, run pain-free... I mean, who doesn't want that? Like yeah. people would, would criticize you, you know, for taking something, but if they could take something that's so-called legal and perform better, we're all on it. Right. Yeah. I mean, I mean look, they take Advil. I mean, everybody, after you turn about 40 years old, I don't know how old you are, about 43 now. You, you don't sleep quite as well. You, things ache a little more than these. And it's a slow, you know, change, but you notice it over time. And this, you know, this stuff we make from hemp is helps to mitigate some of that and, and it's a good replacement for Advil and Tylenol and things like that that people take on a regular basis. I mean, these these things are probably not harmful and you know used once in a while, but I think anything used in a lot excessively is probably bad. So provide an alternative and hope that people try it out. It sounds when I first heard of the, the products and stuff, uh, you got we got a box sitting right here. I haven't tried any, but I was like, oh, if this stuff can help me, of course I would take it. And so, sort of, I guess one thing, sort of. I want to talk about doping, sort of living the better life, and then Floyd's at the end, but sort of starting with doping. I listened to a couple podcasts. I read an Atlantic profile on you, some cycling news stuff, some oh, – what's the – who's the big cycling liner, the guy? For Oh, uh, Paul Kimmage. Yeah, this Paul Kimmage. Yeah. <laughs> he's the guy that everybody knows. I don't know if he's the number one. Cycling, but... oh, we love him. <laughs> well, I love him too. He's great. He's a great <laughs> we used to love that guy. The no, he's great. In the way he writes, he's so aggressive and he's just over the top. And I know cycling, yeah. cycling hates him, but yeah, it's personal him. So, but I was reading some stuff, and it's like it said essentially like you hate being called disgraced cyclist <laughs> or drug cheat, and we're sort of 
famous on Let's Run for calling people drug cheats, just like drug cheats, this drug cheat, that. And some of it maybe we want it to be deterrent, but like, how? what should we call you? What should, you know, because I think also you've done a lot. If people like you, we can debate, talk in a minute, whether we'll ever get to clean sport or even whether that's, I feel like it's still a worthwhile cause. I feel like if we're not going to go there, we should just give up, but whether we're going to get there. But I feel like one way we get there is we have an honest look at the past and where we're at. And if, if people like you, you made a decision, I feel like you probably would regret it. Although I don't know, like I saw something said you would, if you could do it differently, you would win the tour and then confess. Like <laughs> you like winning the tour, but that's a little bit. Yeah. I, I is that still say, the case? No, I remember saying that. And, and I know, I know what I meant, but I think it came out wrong. I think it sounded like I was perfectly fine that with, with cheating and that isn't quite right. But I also don't really have a way of expressing what that environment was like right. and living in it. I mean, it's, and I don't know about running. I've never been in the running community, but it's cycling because some of the races are so long and you've raced so many years or days in a given year, it kind of consumes your whole life. And so you live in a little bubble and you don't really, I mean, again, it's not an excuse, but you, you kind of get detached from rally. Like whatever those people are doing, that's, that's your reality. Right. That's your, <clears throat> that's your world. So I didn't, yeah, I didn't quite mean it like that. I guess, <laughs> I guess the problem was when I was trying to answer the question is if you say, okay, what would you do different? Like I, I you keep going back a where step you, and at some point right. <laughs> it's like, how far back do I go? I don't know. Yeah. You're just some novice. Kind of, yeah. I mean, I'm sure at some point, right. They sat you down and said, here's what you need to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I guess you'd, I'd go back before that then if I had known that in, you know, in high, in hindsight now, what I know, I probably would have just not tried to be a professional bicycle racer in the first place, but I didn't know until it was there in the middle of it. And then, yeah, then the decision was, right. Uh, it was a tough one. Cause I think the difference between cycling and running, and I don't know if this is fair or really the case, but sort of, Cycling is a team thing and that, listening to you, listening to Lance, I feel like you guys feel like everybody was doing it or maybe at least 90%, 95%. That it mattered, yeah. So it's like, do you want to win or not? Whereas with running, it's so individual. I never thought I had to dope. I didn't know people, I knew people. I was like, oh, all these people are doping, but they were so much better. not everyone. And also I feel like we have, and now there's doping in Kenya and East Africa, but it used to be like, oh, those guys – they're skinnier than me. They look different yeah, than me. They can be doing it clean. That. So we used to laugh and went back in, you know, the two thousands when I was on the postal service team about this whole, everybody would defend them. They'd say, Oh yeah, they're, they're Kenyans. They have different, they're genetically different. They have all these things. It's like, come on guys, <laughs> there's something else going on. Yeah. I don't want to think about that. <laughs> some of my heroes in the late nineties. Again, um, I don't know, whatever. I mean, that's what it is, but it's, uh, yeah. I mean, if I had to go back now and, bet my life on a lot of those guys that used to be the test was Lance. I was like hundred percent dirty, but some of these other guys for the runners, I still want to believe. And yeah, maybe it's crazy. So we should just call you Floyd Landis human being. Uh, Yeah. I don't know. I'd just like to be Floyd Landis again at some point. And I, yeah, I did. I did use drugs and I did cheat. So it's not that that's a, that pejorative isn't, isn't deserved, but I don't know how long, I mean, how long does that, how long do I have to pay for it? Or, or what do I have to do? Like some of these people, they say, oh, I hate that guy no matter, basically no matter what. So if there's no, right. if there's no redemption, then there's no redemption. But um, it, I, I struggle to know what else I could possibly do to demonstrate that this was not, I, this was not malicious. This wasn't me thinking that I somehow deserved more than everyone else. I just, I want to, I'd like to close that chapter with something positive and just be Floyd Landis, but maybe that's never going to happen. Who knows? Maybe we can talk about some of this and the good life, but in some ways I wonder like, why do you care what they think about you? I think to be happy in life, like 
we should spend our time worrying about what we control and we can't control what other people think about us. Right. Like, yeah, man. Look, I, I think the only person on earth that genuinely doesn't care at all what anyone thinks of him is Donald Trump. Like I, <laughs> I've never Good met point. anyone that actually doesn't care. But he, but he does care, he right? He's not. so insecure. He has to care. Well, maybe no. he does, but man, he sure acts like he doesn't. And I, I tried for the longest time to just really not care. Like just stop caring. And, and I know logically it really doesn't matter. Right. But we're all sort of, I mean, yeah. it's going to sound dumb, but we're all kind of in this on this planet together, and we're sort of connected one way or another, and we interact with each other, so it matters what people think. Right. And, yeah, you can stop caring, but then you just – I mean, I don't want to just become an asshole because I guess where do you stop it? If you just stop caring what people think, then there, there's not really nothing prohibiting you from doing whatever you want, and which is also bad, right? Which is why we have Donald Trump, or at least my theory. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Yours is the opposite. Yours might be right. Who knows? But I, I – yeah. No, I as think, much as I try not to care, people care. Yeah, right. You have to care. No, you want to be like, I think it's easy. Like people drug sheet, then you're a bad person, a terrible human yeah. being or whatever. And it's like, we're all more complicated. We're all sinners. You know, I don't know what your religious views are these days, but like they've evolved over time <laughs> away from where I started. We can yeah. get to that. I didn't think you were, I can tell you're clearly not at Mennonite anymore, but you know, higher beings or good and evil or whatever. Right. The, uh, I mean, I got sidetracked religion. Never discuss religion or politics. We're right, we're right on board with both. We just do both, right yeah. on front. But the uh, wait, well, I was totally lost. Where was I? Oh, about whether what, what I'm being called or what, or, like, or what people think of me or people caring. Oh about yeah, what people think. like I mean, I, no, I think we all want to be. I think most people think of themselves as good, some good people, like and. Just because you dope doesn't mean, you know, you did what you did. You can't undo any of that. No one can. So it's like, how do you make the best going forward? Yeah, that's all I'm trying to do. And I mean, I'm, it's it's gotten easier because less there's less people that just, just want to ridicule. And there's more people that would actually like to understand what happened. I think part of that is the evolution of, I mean, this, that case with me in 2006 happened relatively early in the existence of Wada. Wada only existed for two years at that point. Um. And they were really, they were given the complete benefit of the doubt that, that what everything they said was true. They just kept yelling science. And no matter what anyone said, they listened to Wada. Oh, they have science on their side, but it turns out they don't have any, any science at all. And, and yeah, I there's think some, some real, you know, some real exposure of, of what they actually, you know, what they actually represent, which is a lot more political than it is, you know, um, independent, like they claim and, I think so. I think some some time has passed, and people are starting to say, "Okay, look, maybe there's more to this story than just a bunch of dudes on bikes taking drugs and these other guys trying to fix it." Yeah, I didn't want to spend a ton of time rehashing the past, but sort of you led into because certain stuff about the case kept coming up, and you're sort of like you admit to doping, but you're sort of angry that like some of the stuff Wada did. And you're, I saw some stuff you were sort of angry that Lance didn't fight them more, and I was just like, "Whoa, what's going on here?" And, you know, with WADA itself, like, we at Let's Run in 2016, right? Craig Reedy, the head of WADA, like, he's got to go. It's like, oh, I mean, it's with the Russian stuff, it's crazy. But how, I mean, how in the first place could he ever be the president of WADA and a board member on the IOC? Like, that, there's just simply, you can, you can announce that you're independent all day long, but you cannot get past that. That's not, that will never work. I mean, and, and maybe it's a problem just across the board anyway, because most of their funding or at least half of their funding comes from the ILC. So they're beholden to them to begin with. But yeah, yeah. it's a pretty deep problem. And I, and I still have some animosity towards, towards USADA because I believe that their system. Okay, fine. Probably most of the people they prosecute are guilty, but 
in, in, in a scenario where they have an innocent athlete that they've decided to charge and it becomes public and that person is basically publicly humiliated, humiliated at that point, the, the gig is up. I mean, there's no, there's no, yeah, no one gets, there's no, well, now a few people have gotten off on some stuff, but like, and I've seen some stuff and maybe I should, I should be better than this. Cause a lot of them I think are dirty. So I'm like, Oh, you're dirty. They got them on something <laughs> else. Like, or Ben Johnson, you know, it's like, yeah. but I'm like, wait, no, for the system to work, it needs to be fair. It needs to be just. And I feel like there's some procedural stuff. We can get in that in a second, but sure. like, so like the tour, like you were busted for testosterone, right? You didn't use testosterone during the tour. Or like the test was wrong. Like help me out. Cause I saw something you're like, they, the test was wrong. Like when you got busted, I mean, it's, so it's hard to narrow down exactly. No, I was not using testosterone during the tour. I used a bunch of other things. I used EPO and growth hormone and, and blood transfusions. Which is, <laughs> so this is why it's complicated to try to say, look, you, sh- you should also, okay, fine. Take me out. I'm done. I'm, I'll never race again and my tour is gone. But it, you, you also have a, a system that simply cannot distinguish between whether someone doped or not. And you're using that to selectively prosecute people because now we know that, I mean, Don Catlin, I don't, he's admitted in the New York times to covering up positive EPO tests from Salt Lake city. There's an article where he says, yeah, I called the, the head of the IOC and we decided it was going to cause too much damage. So we just made them go away. In what? Cross, in cross country ski. That's oh, in the gosh. New York times. Please. And, and he was I never, want to keep my blinders on. He was never, he was never punished. So how can you say that we have this standard that we hold the athletes to where on the other side, they can just do whatever the hell they want, but that's not going to work. Cause then the athletes, they're not stupid. They might be powerless, but they know. So I think some of your outlook on this, at least at the time you're in a sport, you think most 90% of people dirty at your level. I mean, that's the, that's what cycling has been. From right. Day one, right. Right. From, that's just what it is. And right. Well, Greg Lamont <laughs> says he's clean. Right? Okay, fine. Whatever. But, but he's the only guy ever, but last 25. Yeah. Right. But you're, I think the thinking is like, if I'm doing it, why am I getting singled out for, you know, like, this is the rules. And sort of also wonder if your upbringing, like you function in this like Mennonite and they have their own rules. Now then there's a bigger community, they have their own rules, cycling's their own rules. If everyone's cheating, probably at the time you're just like, wait, why am I being singled out? But my question is, it does matter what you got convicted for. If you were not using testosterone and they busted you for testosterone, that means they could do that to anybody, right? Like, you think the test was wrong? Or like, if I had, I don't know, it's not a USADA case, but if I had Travis Tiger here, what would he say? He would say you use testosterone? Like, you have no reason to lie to me now. No, that's what he would say. But at the end of the day, if you, and, and again, it was mass hysteria when they did it because it was the biggest doping case ever probably because it obviously it indirectly involved Lance Armstrong because he had just won his sixth tour. It, it wasn't directed to him, but it was that was part of the story, right? I was a previous teammate of his and, you know, nobody really, nobody paid attention to the actual, the actual, you know, arbitration rules of discovery or the, or the, the, in fact, the documents themselves. I mean, this is how, how confusing and complicated the whole thing became. The, the French lab said, okay, look, this is a positivity criteria that we have. And, And by the way, let's start from the beginning. WADA claims to have been set up to, to homogenize all of the international labs, right? So each the labs are supposed to all follow the same rules and, and police their own country and make things fair in that global way, right? So they they the French lab says, okay, this this is a positive test based on this threshold, this, these metabolites and this you know carbon twelve carbon thirteen ratio. It's more complex than we need to get into, but 
in the United States in Don Catlin's lab that did not meet the positivity criteria. So it would be called a negative test in the United States. That, that we know. They admitted to that. Really? Yeah, 100%. Oh, my so gosh. Then, and you got the Russian lab. <laughs> well, then their defense was Don Catlin just when he finally couldn't defend it anymore, just threw his hands in the air and said, well, they're all doing it. And this is a guy, by the way, who helps cover up doping tests, admits to it. And when I asked Travis Tiger why he hasn't been punished, Travis said he looked into it and couldn't find any evidence. Let me ask you this. If an athlete admitted publicly to taking drugs, what more evidence would they go looking for? That is evidence. That's a first-person admission, right? Right. That he is part yeah, of the corruption. Yeah, no, he should be part of the corruption. How can he then? I mean, he this, was the this guy. Was, this like, was during my case while he was testifying. Oh, my gosh. gosh. So I have... I have animosity towards these people for reasons that make sense if you see the whole thing as a, as the big picture. Right. And so if we have we shouldn't get caught up in the weeds too much, but like <laughs> So when they busted you, the test was wrong or what what do you think? Is even it, if is it even too complicated if or it was no. wrong, they could detect your EPO from 4 months ago probably not. Right? I mean your testosterone. Like, no, they made a bunch of claims and I, I don't know if they've changed the positivity criteria since then, but um or the carbon the isotope could pick the carbon it up. Isotope, from- let's put it this way. For anyone out there that has, you know, a couple working brain cells, their entire carbon isotope test was based on one study with 10 people and no control subjects. That's what their basis for their entire test is, right? There was nothing else. So they're basically just guessing at what the positivity criteria should be in the first place. But even if you accept the, the lab document package that I was provided at face value, it still wasn't a positive test in the United States. Interesting. And so let's say they busted you for EPO. Would you not have been as angry? I would have had a bigger problem because if, if they had a genuine lab document package that's, that, would, that was impossible to defend, then I would have had a much more difficult decision to make. And but so, part of what inspired me to fight and think that I could continue racing was, look, these guys got, got this wrong. And it, if you're just going to charge me with some random thing because you can't catch people that are on drugs – then that's not a good system. And I would fight that system out of principle, even though it's a convoluted principle, right? I kind of see where you're coming now, finally. <laughs> I mean, it's, I was like, what? Because essentially, I mean, it's, like, it's you, fucked up, but you had this podcast with Cycling News, and you're like, I mean, I can try to find a quote, but it's like, <laughs> I wish Lance had fought it more. And I'm like, one, you and Lance are not buddies. No. Two, like, I'm like, you admit the doping. So, like, but you're right. If we're going to have a clean system, a fair system, if we're going to have a system that actually catches cheats, it has to be fine, fair. You can't just make it up or it can't be inaccurate or whatever, right? Like, right. But Lance's Lance is completely separate, right? Didn't they get him for well, all your evidence got him? So how would, yeah, well, that was well, just, could, how could he fight? Well, he could fight. He could have fought. What I wanted, what needs to be fought, honestly, is yeah. What should is we fight? The, the, and and this part is something that I experienced and lived through and have been angry at it for twelve years. But I think a lot of people now, and it's, it's more widely reported, and this is a broader issue just in, in general in society and, and powerful corporations or groups forcing people into arbitration rather than allowing them to go to a real court. And the reason that you do that is because, number one, the, the, the people financing it have an advantage because they're the ones that are the repeat customers at the arbitration court. <laughs> right. The athletes are never coming back. So there's already a, there's already a bias against the athlete because you need to keep these people paying you, your arbitrators. That's what you do for a job, right? They're just lawyers and right. they get paid by the hour. And they know ultimately where the money's coming from. And it's, 
beyond proven now that large corporations have a, have a massive advantage over everybody that wants to arbitrate something. And But the bigger problem here is they're basically using arbitration as a criminal prosecution. And the rules of discovery, they're, they're not obligated to give you any information. Like I, we, I had, I probably spent $500,000 in legal fees just trying to get the evidence that they claimed they had against me. They said, we couldn't have it. You can't have it. Sorry. I mean, it's not a fair system. So you, you, charge somebody, so you wanted to ride your bike again, essentially. Yeah. While you fought. That's what I wanted. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that was the heart of it. Like, I'm, right. But also the system got you for something you're still saying you didn't do. Like right. Ben Johnson, same thing says he didn't, whatever they got him on. Uh, he may have been I mean, spiked I, or something, but like, who knows? It's kind of crazy because. Something's not right there either. Yeah. Because I mean, I think it's widely accepted now that Carl Lewis was not exactly playing the game <laughs> like everybody thought either. But at the end of the day, I mean, I, I, I guess, look, and I, I, the, the conversation almost has to go to the, well, what's the solution then, right? Yeah. And then, then I guess I would say if you're going to, if you're going to try to police it, then set up a system that's at least fair and gives everybody that's on drugs the same chance of being caught as, as, all the other guys that are on drugs rather than just simply, you know, I mean, if you look at their statistics, they, they have, they have about um, a, a little more than a 1% false positive rate. That's their expected false positive rate. If you look at their actual statistics and that's exactly how many people test positive. So, so it's 1%. Un- yeah. That's about how many positives they have. And that's exactly what their false positive rate is. That's what their expected false positive rate is. So there's no, that's for just an A sample. That's, for A and B. For A and B, across the board. I mean, they... When you do one, they have to do another one percent, so one out of... It's very rare that they don't reverse engineer a B sample to match the A sample. Like, that's that's highly unusual. <laughs> it's, once you know what you're trying to get in science, you, you, you generally get it. It's not a blind test. The MMA is sort of even... I watched Icarus. My wife hadn't seen it. I don't know about it. I'd actually seen it. I swear I'd seen it, but... We, did, we did it this weekend, but sort of that lab, I was like, one, how, the samples are supposed to be anonymous. They know whose samples are there. I'm like, this is like, the stuff they told me as an athlete doesn't seem to be the case. Like, well, clearly there's a master list somewhere and they somehow knew what was on the master list. And then this whole lab that Watt is supposed to be overseeing is faking tests at the Olympics. I mean, it's like, we're doing samples, like. Just straight up faking it. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's amazing because they should be sending like. Dirty, known dirty samples and at least catching those. Was that yeah. happening then? I mean, um, I mean, it, so sort of, I guess I don't need to discuss excuse me. The, some of the details, but sort of, I think the bigger, you know, question for me is like, one like other sports, like, uh, do you follow running at all? Uh, only the, the, the mainstream media reports, like whatever, right. something big, right. big like, events. You saw the New York City Marathon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, like how dirty do you think running is? I mean, I, I hesitate to speculate on it other than just if I extrapolate what I know from human nature and what I experience in cycling, but it would just be guessing. I mean, I, I know cycling and I know the people that are still involved in management. So I, I'm a, a little, I feel a little more inclined to make judgments based on information that I know firsthand. But that being said, I know that that EPO and or any any way of augmenting your red blood cell count is is a huge advantage in endurance sports, um, and and anything you, you can do to recover faster 
is probably at least as beneficial in running because you have more more muscle damage than you do in cycling. Cycling, you kind of, I mean, you get fatigued because you, you know, you can do it for more hours and more days in a row, but running, you get real, real muscle damage from, um, you know, impact. And so I, I can't, I can't even really, I mean, I probably shouldn't guess. I probably shouldn't guess at the, uh, <laughs> at who's calling. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> Perfect. Sorry about that. No, that's okay. I was um, going to say. Um, okay, cycling. Yeah. I probably shouldn't guess at how. At, would you say cycling? They're all dirty still, or what? What do you? Well, look, I, I can't even say for sure that they're all dirty there, and I know I don't know that they ever all were. I do know that I can say for certain that when I was racing, everybody in the peloton and everybody in management, whether they were doping or involved in the doping or not, certainly knew the extent of the doping. Like there, there's nobody there that didn't know, and therefore was complicit in it. Right? No one did anything about it. For even that, like with the whole Lance stuff, I said people got so angry. I was just following the sport of running. Yeah, and I was more convinced Lance Armstrong was doping than a lot of runners. Like a couple, like masseuses had said stuff. The evidence seemed to me overwhelming before it came out. I think, like you're right, and they just turn a blind eye and like, oh, we're testing. And I think that's part of your problem is like, oh, we're testing. It's clean, but it's just a marketing. Aspect. That's the biggest part of the problem is that I wish that the anti-doping agencies would just be honest with how big the problem is. They, they, of course, they don't want to do that because then they're going to lose their funding, right? If they actually admitted that, look, we're barely doing anything here, then why give them ten million a year of taxpayer money so you saw they can bust a bunch of fifty-five-year-old no, masters I think, racers? See, I think they should admit it. They're yeah, they. I mean, it's amazing how they, they we busted this guy for. I'm like, who's like, oh yeah, I didn't know it was illegal. Yeah, I've been taking <laughs> testosterone to win the master. I, I could care less about those guys. I don't understand why they're spending a why do they spend, on that. Don't test them at all. I do Stop. not care. Just, no one cares. We have a limited resources. We need to go at the top of the sport because correct. Those are the people inspiring kids, and right. also like they're the ones. There's money there, right? So if you tax pro sports one percent, exactly, they can fund the it. NFL and stuff. There's enough money that if they wanted to, like you say, why are we spending ten million? I think we should be spending a hundred million. Well, right. If you're going to do it, do it right. That's another right. thing. I'm not saying they should reduce it, but I'm, I'm saying my point was that if given I mean, if they actually came out and admitted, look, we're, we're, we haven't really even put a dent in this and we don't know how to solve it because it's too complex. Number one, everybody would laugh at them because now they've said they have solved it and they clearly haven't. And number two, they would lose their funding because if you can't do anything about it, then just stop, stop wasting your time. Do you think they present the view that they've solved it? They, well, they certainly present the view that they're solving it. Right. And I can tell you with 100% certainty that that is not true. I mean, it, well, yeah, I mean, even in just in running, like the Olympic marathon champion on the women's side, Olympic 1500 champion on the men's side, last Olympics, both have been, or Kiprup, sorry, Matt Sinterwitz, <laughs> Kiprup has not, did not win that Olympics. <laughs> My apologies. Previous 1500 champion, Dirty in Kenya. And they've got these crazy stories and like. They're crazy. Those are crazy stories. But nobody comes out. And they all say, oh, uh, some rogue doctor. No one knows. No one is coming telling the truth. And I agree with you. You said, like, we need complete, complete, I don't know, immunity or something. Like, people like you, when you come out, yeah, you cheated, whatever. But, like, you made the decision. I guess people can get mad saying you're a rat or something. But the sport doesn't get better unless we sort of, we don't celebrate you. We celebrate you for telling telling the truth. Like, if, if Aspel Kiprock came out tomorrow... If he's truly innocent, yes, keep saying he's innocent. But, like, for everything I've known is, like, people come up with these great, you know, 
you had your story, Tyler Hamilton, the vanishing twin story. Um, is it, we get into that, how hard it is to lie like that, but <laughs> it's not, easy. but like if they told the truth tomorrow, I don't know what, maybe you can't let them come back right away, but like, they shouldn't be vilified. They should be like, I don't you know, know. They made a decision. They made a wrong, and now they're trying to make a right. The problem, you know, what the problem is, is, it, it, well, there's a couple m- motives that that prevent people from telling the complete truth. Number one, they know that there won't be a, a global change all at once. So all there'll be is another person saying, "Okay, this is what I knew about it," and maybe their entire network will even get you know prosecuted in some way. But if unless all of those people are then just given a free pass to tell the truth, look, it's like this. If you think, okay, I live in England and this is stupid, we drive on the you know on the left side of the road. I'm just going to start driving on the right side of the road to make make them all change. That doesn't work. Everyone has to switch sides at the same time, right. or else you just have a big giant crash. That's what's going on right now. Like there's a person here, a person there, and 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 the anti doping agencies can keep pointing at them and saying, well, that's one person over there. Look, we did something about it. If they knew, if if all the information came out at once then they'd be forced to face it. And, and, and also then they would actually know what the techniques are and what they're doing because right now they don't have any idea. No one's, no one's telling them. I mean, so what about the, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's naive, whatever sort of my view of the world is like, I mean, I have no idea what percent of we, we've had doping polls and let's run like what percent of the people are doping. And it's kind of interesting. Like yeah, where are they at on that? Like what's the average guess? It's for like world record holders. It's, you know, <laughs> 70, 80% or world records in 90, 10% of people believe anything. Right. Um, I I can pull them up, (laughs) but like, and the American distance runners aren't as good, but generally if you know the person, they're more likely to be clean. Of course. Sort of like the ones we root for, like I'm sure they they were back in you. You were a good guy. It's like a war, right? Right. You root for your team, even though you're both killing people. Or even like, even me, like, when it comes to running, like I have no animosity towards you. You're cycling. Like people say, oh, that drug treat, you should hate him. <laughs> a runner here, some guys, some of them, I might be angry. Sure, it depends on the guy. If it was one of my heroes, I'd be like, oh, I see why he did it. Right. You know, <laughs> no, te- like Texas that. Rangers, they had a guy, yeah. um, was it Nelson Cruz? No, no, it wasn't. No, that wasn't his Excuse name. me, it was not Nelson Cruz. Sorry, Nelson calling a drug sheet. You know, <laughs> we're not pretty big though. Um, yeah, I think it, well, it might have been Nelson Cruz. Anyway, he got a suspension. Googling this came back and could play the play in game for the playoffs. And I was like, Oh yes, we need him badly. <laughs> um, Maybe that's just a symptom of those are the rules in that sport. And for whatever reason, the Olympic sports have decided that they're just going to end people's careers. If there's a doping incident, whereas American sports have decided that's just part of the, the, of the show of it all. Okay. He got caught. So he sits out for a couple games. Yeah. He said a fourth of the back. season. He got punished. Right? And that's the punishment. That's the other thing. Cause my brother went to some symposium in DC last week. Tiger was there and yeah. some others. And he said, Oh, major league baseball is great drug testing. It actually, I guess it's better. Cause I thought it, Tiger said that? he said it was good. Oh, good Lord. And, um, it's better than I guess NFL. Maybe that's not saying much. Maybe there's at least some out of season. I don't, I should look into the details more, but yeah, you get busted in major league baseball. It's, as we know, it's very hard to get busted. If you're, if you're caught doping, you're dumb. Yeah. But if you get caught, you get, I think it's now half, fourth of a game it used to be a fourth of the season maybe it's a little more now yeah your first time so like you can try this you get caught you can make hundreds of millions of dollars you get caught you set a fourth of the season go again and let's say let's say you're you're like doping and there's only 10 percent you get caught it's not even that high i don't think it can't even be that it makes sense to keep trying it they think everyone else is trying it um a lot of money on the line i mean nelson cruz did get a 50 game drug suspension so i feel better (laughs) 
but I, I was rooting for him for the Texas yeah. Rangers. Um, and I think team sports are different, right? Like for the guy cycling, maybe cycling is different because you're in a pack and that sort of stuff. But like the guy who goes out and runs a road race, you might have to take this call real quick. Sure, sure. Pause it for a second. Um, hey, where were we? Uh, Tiger baseball. Yeah, baseball. And I mean, look, I, I I have a hard time comparing other sports. Right. Because they generally all do have their own different rules. And I guess if people are okay with the rules being what they are, then it's not really fair to say, well, why do baseball players get treated this way and cyclists right, right. get treated a different way? I mean, that's just what it is. If you don't like the rules, then. So, yeah, I guess back when you, so I guess if I'm a tiger to my sort of positive view and what you saw and what are doing, they now have the biological passport. So like way back in the day, like late nineties, you could just EPO, no problem. Then they got a test for EPO. Still, maybe not that great, but like you just, you either had to take EPO at a certain time, right? Or were you taking EPO during the tour? No, you can take. I mean, that the threshold for for testing positive for EPO is, I mean, you really would have to make a mistake to get caught. Even now? Yeah, yeah. If you do it intravenously, you could probably do, I mean, I know for sure you could do 500 milliliters or 500 units at a, at a time intravenously and have no risk of getting caught. And that, down over, house house over you, three or four weeks. How do you take it? Well, I mean, EPO is generally when it's prescribed, it's pre- prescribed as a subcutaneous injection because it has a long half-life if you inject it into your subcutaneous fat. It lasts oh, intravenous. You mean an IV versus a shot? So if you put uh-huh. it intravenously, then the half-life is, is, is hours instead of weeks. So you just take it at night? Yeah, that's what you would do. I mean, you could do it every day. During the tour? Literally no risk. So yeah, when, we did it every day. When your blood profiles – now it's – they're hope, at least – what they've made me believe is like if you do that, your blood profile spikes. No, they, and they can't. Can, tell. They pat, because you. it doesn't have enough of a done right. It doesn't have to cause enough of a of a of a acute change. It, it might be changes over time, but they can't look. You're, these they've made it out to be this this clever test, but the bio passport. I mean, people have large variations in blood values naturally in a, in a in a stressful situation like an event, right? So for them to actually set the thresholds where they would need to be, they w- it would be impractical. You'd have too many false positives. It wouldn't right? work, yeah. So yeah, because a big list came out in track and field a couple years ago. It was like a list of all these people and it said likely doping. And you're just like, what? But it's like people <laughs> whose values yeah. are suspicious. Yeah. Or at least unusual. And maybe a lot of them are really doping. Like, but unusual. It, it some, of them yeah. probably, some of them probably some aren't. Some of them aren't. And right. so like, because we... You know, worse than like letting a guilty person off is like convicting an innocent one. So we have to err on that side. So yeah, they don't do that. <laughs> they go the other way. And, and when it comes to you know, when it comes to doping, it's guilty until proven innocent. And maybe that's just a symptom of of now. Well, I feel like they set the thresholds very. They have to. Yeah, I feel like they err and like we're not going to convict you. But yeah. once you test positive, you're not. You're generally you're not getting off. I mean, I have another fundamental problem with that bio passport, and that is that the entire thing is is enshrouded in secrecy like how are we to know that they don't just selectively pick people they won't tell us what the thresholds are they won't tell us what they're measuring they won't show us the data even if it was anonymized show us the anonymized data and tell us how you decide that would be a good start but they don't it's it's a lot of these yeah my perception is there aren't a lot of sort of done secret committees Catlin's probably on one of these they come up with these thresholds absolutely he's on it And, and here's the problem for you to trust the bio passport you have to implicitly trust a bunch of people hired by the IOC so you you tell me whether you think that that's a good strategy or not. Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like the cyclists are more caught up. You guys are more angry at the IOC. Well, maybe we should be, but like 
because well, the IOC it doesn't, also, really, so it doesn't it, really do anything for us. I mean, right. running has is big and it benefits from the Olympics. Cycling barely gets anything yeah. from the Olympics, but we're subjected to all of their their bullshit, you know, made up rules that's as, as they go. And I think that's where the animosity comes. Because the Olympics is our biggest thing, so we're like. Yeah. Maybe we think positively of them or like they pay more attention to us. And they probably are more concerned about the the image of running because it also affects them. Whereas they can just make cycling the whipping boy and no one really cares. No one's watching that Olympic bike race. I mean. Yeah. But I guess even the Russians, the IOC would have let them in the Olympics and track was the only one said, no, you have to like sit out. But yeah, I was was impressed by that. I mean, on the other hand, it probably comes with some level of hypocrisy as well. I mean, I think. But even that, right? Like, if you ask anyone who knew, they would have said every single Russian was doping. I mean, not every single one. Now there's a few competing. Maybe they're clean. So maybe we shouldn't say every single one, but I'm like, yes, like this, look at this state history. Look at the performances. Like no one was shocked. Like everybody, no, like not. the doping pools were off the charts for the Russians. Yeah. I mean, I don't think anyone so was may- surprised. It made it easy that it was the Russians too. I don't suspect that they were the only ones doing it, but I mean, oh, yeah. it may not have the exact same approach, but I got it. Yeah, for me now, like a lot of Kenyans are testing positive, but I'm like, oh, no, they're not all doing it. I don't think all is fair, but like, it's easier for other people to say, oh, just put it all we have 10, they're all doing it. Yeah, and, yeah. Which isn't fair either. But. Right. And I think that's where cycling is different. The running is like, you get on top team, they're on the program. Yeah. So now you'd say like Team Sky, they're EPO. Like, I mean, what can you say or what well, can't you say? I mean, I put it this way. I know that you could, they can be using EPO and I know that they can be using peptides like growth hormone or there's all these other insulin growth factors or mitochondrial growth factors. There's peptides that are, there's countless ways you can manipulate peptides that are analogs to growth hormone that'll have specific effects on you and that will, there's zero chance of getting caught. Even growth hormone, you'd have to be tested within 20 minutes of using it. Oh my gosh, I'm getting depressed. Okay, so instead of like me complaining, getting depressed... What can we do? If I put you in charge of water or USADA, what, the, what for people who do, want clean sport can do? Look, I don't, I don't think anyone in, in the sport likes that side of it in, in any sport that, that has that kind of institutional approach to pharmaceutical assistance. But it becomes just an arms race within it. And they all sort of know each other. You're in your own little world and nobody really wants to turn on each other. So the only way to actually get the information is to give everybody a free pass from the past. Just say, okay, look, starting right now, just tell us what was happening and how you do it and if and what you did. And let's see if we can come up with a solution because right now they're, they're just guessing at what they should even be testing for or how to look for it. And But why would some, why would someone come clean now? Because I don't think that everybody enjoys that part of it. It's str- that's a it's a lot of stress trying to get away with the doping program and race the Tour de France. I can tell you that it is ex- an extraordinary amount of stress. And it, and if there was a way to stop it, then people would prefer that. I don't know. See, if that's that's I, right. I, <laughs> Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if there is a way to stop it, but I do know that there's simply no way to to create a strategy to stop it if you don't know what it is. And right now, the anti-doping agencies are not on the inside, and they don't know what's going on. Yeah, and I think for sure when they when they get somebody like let's say Aspokip Rob, he's got these crazy stories saying he didn't dope, but I'm assuming he did. Tell us, please, like who's the coach? Pay him. I don't care. Like what's the, who's the coach? That's Where did you get this from? Like he needs some incentive. Like I don't really care. <clears throat> Give him a hundred thousand dollars for all I care. Like, right now, there's only risk in, in telling the truth. Yeah. Right. There's only downside because now you're the one that's being accused, and if you admit it, then you're going to get absolutely abused right. publicly again. And there's no upside, really. I mean, 
then they're going to add rat to your title. <laughs> I mean, like you said, and that's what people said about me. And I think it's. Yeah. Cause also when you're talking about this, I'm like, wait, there's no way all these guys could be doping, keeping quiet. Like someone would have spoken up, but that was cycling, right? You were in it and they were all doping all the teammates. It's crazy. Cause I'm like, oh, wait, all these runners can't be doping. We would have heard about it. Somebody would have ratted somebody out. You'd be, you'd be amazed how many people look. And this is something that unless I lived through it, I don't think I would even believe it. And it's hard and for it doesn't me to believe, turn me into a huge conspiracy theorist, but it does make me more likely to believe some things that seem hard to imagine that you could pull it off because there were hundreds of literally hundreds of people, not only that knew about it, were involved in it, in cycling. They, they would come and go and in, in all shapes and forms got fired. They had, they would leave on bad terms, good terms. No one said a word to anyone outside of that little bubble. I mean, they, everyone in that little bubble knew it and they had their own story for that. And they had a separate story for everyone else. And, I, if I didn't see it firsthand, I, did, I would not believe that you could pull it off. But it's just the way people are. Yeah. I guess. I mean, the mindset, I think, was different. Like with running, I don't know. I was like wanna be Olympian and was kind of content and happy to be at that level. And I ran this race in in uh, England, and this like Irish guy I'd never heard of like drilled my clock. And like <laughs> usually in a race, sort of, I'm gonna know who the people are at my level, and. I, got back and people on that's run like must be a doper and i'm like no. dude there's no way this dude's dope i'm like i'm not good enough to dope it was my kind of thinking like, <laughs> like if i was the best bother? best why bother right like i love the purity of it and i had belief it also if you don't have belief, i had the belief and i still do that some people are doing this clean at least in running and sure enough this guy Cathal lumberg a couple years later gets busted for epo and i'm like <laughs> maybe i'm maybe i'm in the thing and like we watched icarus and my wife was like she's yeah. like you could have been an Olympic champion. And I'm like, come on. I'm like, yeah. no way. But you know, it's like, it's just crazy to sort of think about like how just these worlds that can go on like parallel universes. I'm in my little one and they don't overlap. Like, or even if they do overlap, people know not to say anything. Yeah. Or like how all the cyclists could stay quiet. Now I'm like, how would you get people to actually come forward and, and start speaking the truth? Cause the first one that comes probably get vilified. Oh, for sure. But you know, I think a lot of the people, once you came forward, I feel like, I don't know, maybe I'm grossly, oversimplifying this thing a lot of them feel at least clean i think a lot now. of them did feel good because i think that a lot of them were pretty convinced that at some point it was going to come out and just living with that fear i mean it must be tough like you said like with your parents or your friends you yeah, go to something like lance i mean excuse me boy i call you lance jesus <laughs> that's all right. that happens all the time ultimate ultimate second world it's ultimate insult right um but that you know floyd you're innocent you know i got your back and you're just like Oh, it's got to be tough as a human no, being to bad. do that, right? And I didn't look, that was something I couldn't even have foreseen when I decided, look, I'm going to deny, I'm just going to deny this because that's my chance of getting back into racing. And once I commit to that path and because it's such a high profile fight, I have to fight it with everything I got. Then I learned all these other things that now are complicating my life. Like, okay, now, I'm, now I got people coming up to me saying, you know, they feel bad for me. And now I feel bad that I can't just tell them the truth. And I never envisioned that all these things I never had I guess maybe you would think I was foolish for not thinking them through, but if you're going to do this, you have to behave in a, in, in a, in a way that assumes that you're not going to get caught. Otherwise you're not, you're not going to be able to manage it. Right. So you don't sit and think about what am I going to do with this? When I get caught. Happens. Yeah. And denying it, was it hard? Like I saw some stuff. I think we first connected because Floyd the Loveville reached out to let's run and the Kavanaugh hearings were going on. I was like, somebody's probably lying here, <laughs> but like, is it hard to, 
was it hard to pull that off? And I saw something because also at the hearings, I was like, oh, this Kavanaugh guy's innocent. He needs to be very forceful. And I heard Lance said to you, like, you got to have, you know, you yeah. got to, you got to like, put so a little more conviction sense. into it. I'm like, yeah, you know, like, because <laughs> if you, I was wrongly accused of something, I feel like I would be really angry. But well, I, I was, but I also was conflicted because I knew that, okay, now I'm denying having doped at all. Because what choice would I have? If I'm going to deny the testosterone and, and admit to the rest of it, then that's a moot point, right? right? So you were, yeah, you were wrong. You really felt wrong about the testosterone. Like, I didn't do this. Yeah, I didn't. And I'm, I was upset. This is unjust, but and you're if, doping. It's crazy. Like, and look, there's a few educated people that were involved that paid attention to the case and know that it was all fucked up. But, you know, they had the PR talking points. And I was all, also on the, bad, on, the, on the bad end of the press that had had literally, I mean, it's not to blame Lance, but they had had enough of Lance. Like, I came along and won the tour and they were like, okay, that's enough. And when that story came out, they just, I mean, they were waiting to just destroy somebody. And that was, do so you think the test sort of came up in this region and they're like, he's guilty. Or do you think the test was faulty? I don't think they didn't purposely try to ruin you. Right. I really don't know. I, I, I think that they probably screwed up the test and then it became public and then they couldn't back down because then right. the damage was done and, Oh, then, yeah. It looks, then it was if they bad. let you off? No, they couldn't. You know, they couldn't. There was we, no way they could. That'd be it. I mean, I mean, I think at least if, if even the people that think that I did everything wrong and, and hate me would sit down and say to themselves, okay, in a hypothetical scenario where a guy won the tour like that and then it becomes public that he's tested positive and all this, all the press piles on him and they just essentially crush the guy and then have to, have to admit that, that it wasn't true, there's just simply no way that would ever happen. If, if that was not a positive test, they would figure out a way to fucking make it a positive test. You can be 100% certain that. I mean, this is not a group of people that is going to yeah, do Yeah, I think if you're super low profile, thing. there's some, you know, people, in, like some runners, not super high profile. They got off with like tainted beef excuses. That's different. But like, I feel like if it was, a, if it was like a Usain Bolt, if they bring the charges, they're they going to stick they're to gonna stick to them, right? And that's what this was. I mean, that's that's a yeah. good example. I mean, if it was if Usain Bolt comes up and they say he's got a positive test, they're making I don't care how many lawyers he hires. That's that's not going to happen. That's right. I mean, the, the, something somewhat similar happened with with Chris Froome last year in, in the Vuelta, but the UCI tried to cover that up for a long time until somebody leaked it, and then they still figured out where right. to fix it. And they also had a pretty good argument, like, well, it's just an inhaler, and yeah, I mean, we all know that it's not what happened, but it's. They got away with it. But this was a dramatic thing. Like, okay, I just won the tour. No Tour de France winner had ever been busted. They made a huge spectacle out of it. And once that happens, their position is clear. They can they can never back down from that. What so it's, Tiger was sitting right here. What would he say about your test? Oh, he's not he's he's a horrible lawyer and I don't think he even understood the carbon isotope ratio mass spectrometry. I think he doesn't know he's not a scientist. He has no understanding of it. Interesting. Um, I mean, he's barely a lawyer. He's he's not. He's certainly not a scientist. Don't, do you feel USADA? I feel like USADA is like one of the best in the anti-doping. No, they're equally as as hypocritical. I mean, in what way? Well, look, let's just use that Don Catlin thing because it's an easy one and he's well known. But there's a million reasons why I believe that all all USADA is is just a, a, a subset of people that are essentially controlled by the IOC and controlled by law. I mean, they're, they're in, inseparable. If you look at right. how they came to be, you saw it as now critical of WADA. Yeah, of course they are, because it's in their in their interest to try to get more power and more money. That's why he's in right. DC trying to get more taxpayer money. It has nothing to do with anything at all, other than Travis Tiger making sure that he's front and center. 
But at the end of the day, I, I asked him, I have emails saying, Travis, why, what is going on with this Don Catlin guy? Why has he not been treated the way any athlete would have if they had broken? Equal? Look, this might be more egregious than a cyclist breaking the rules. Because what he did was undermine the entire validity of the anti-doping agency. Right. And they didn't do anything to him. They just, they still use him as a. Yeah, they, they give him this now. So I guess I want to believe. So I'm like, oh, the tests probably weren't really dirty. Or, well, he straight up says it. I'll, I'll go find it for you. It was 2008, I believe, or, or nine that he, that he came out and he just said it in the New York Times. And I said, you have to prosecute this guy. And his response was Floyd. Um, I think his, his mental health isn't well. And, you know, he, um, we couldn't find any evidence of that. That is the evidence. He right. said it. If he says it, it's good enough. Right. No one, look, there's no reason someone would make that up. There are certain things that you would, would, people will admit to or could admit to that, that just would be no other reason other than that the fact that they're true that you would say it. Like he had stood, stood to gain nothing by saying that, right? There's only, yeah, there's, no. <laughs> unless, yeah. So, so how could that not be evidence? Or something. Right. I mean, and that's that's my problem with Usada is that it's a, it's a one-sided trial every time they they don't hold themselves to the same they call it strict liability right that means the athlete is responsible for everything they put in their body and everything that happens well if that's the standard on that side then that should be the standard on the other side i agree makes sense so is there any hope for a clean not sport? with the clean not with the current approach no no so chance. then we have to change approaches correct my sign i'm a quick complaining maybe try to do something but like if we change approaches so Complete immunity is number one. You what have else? to start with that. What yeah. else can we do? Well, then you probably do need more money, but I, I hesitate to advocate for giving them more money because if you just give more money to the people that are running it now, they'll just be more corrupt and they'll pay themselves more. If you just go look at their at the funding and where it's been spent by WADA, it's it's doubled every few years so since it's it started. And not only has the amounts spent on scientific research for testing not increased relatively, it hasn't increased at all. Only the salaries and travel expenses and fancy. And they'll you know, do more tests or something with no science. They don't even do more tests. Oh, gosh. Only the salaries have increased. Go, go look at the numbers. I feel like tracks increased its tests. That's probably a separate thing because they got so much bad publicity from that. Yeah. Um, or maybe they just increased their. So essentially, you believe we need to reform the system first, come up with a better system that's fair to everyone, and then increase the money? And that's the only Yeah, way. I mean, if, if your entire ethos is we're making things fair then this is a failure. <laughs> I mean, it's not fair to the people that are competing because they didn't clean it up. And it's not even fair to the people that are charged because you just make it up as you go. It's not even real science. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's funny because I never, until I went through this, I never really thought it from your perspective. I didn't realize that the test they actually got you for, you sort of said didn't happen. But like, if you're in this sport, I think most people are dirty. Only very few people are even getting positive anyway. And then they get you for something you didn't do. It's like, like it's like roulette. It's outrageous. No, it makes yeah. you angry. You, you just yeah. get angry and respond irrationally, and and it's it, it's actually worse than roulette because what it does is it it. I mean, if you're if you're winning the race and all that they're doing is getting false positives from time to time, and you're tested ten times more than everyone else, then then really it's just a matter of try not to win. Just get second. I mean, honestly, it looks like in cycling at this point, getting second is probably better anyway. But then you just get tested less and your, your right. odds are better regardless. But that would argue that the test can actually catch you if you're saying, that, you know. What I'm saying is that eventually they will because they do have a fall, expected false positive rate. Oh. So given enough tests, 
Yeah, but it has to be 1% and then another 1% on the B, or you're, you're just saying in your mind the B is going to match up. A false positive can be a mistake on an A sample, or it can, can be a biological variation. And oh. So, because yeah, so then these, it'll be they're a highly and complex tests, right? They don't necessarily rely on, on simple. I mean, it used to be much more simple. You would test for amphetamines. That's a, not an endogenous substance. And if you find any of it, you know, right? It's easy to use. You know too, much about, you know too much about this stuff. Well, I yeah, guess you lived a it a bunch of times. <laughs> for me, and it, ignorance is bliss. I'm like, they can catch the people. They know what they're testing for. The A would have to be 1% and then another 1% for the B. But if, if there was some fluke thing in your system and it sure. makes it look like you're dirty, you're screwed. And most of the tests now, because they're testing for hormones that are identical to endogenous hormones, they test for laboratory variations in electric charge in those, in those molecules, or they test for relative ratios to other hormones in your body. And these things can have variations that they don't have really much data on. So they don't really know. I mean, yes, you know, if you take a subject and you give him something, he'll, he'll express this on the test. But they don't know is given a thousand other people doing this and not taking the drug, will they also express the same thing? They don't have those studies. They just don't, doesn't it's exist. It's too hard to do almost. Yeah, that's, the, that's part of the problem is the cost of it. But in the meantime, until you have that funding, this is not a solution. Like this is, I mean, I would wager that the anti-doping approach has killed more people than drugs have. There are more people that have died in cycling because of the public humiliation and essentially just suicide. Wait, antidoping is kill more people than what? Than drugs, than in sports, than any of these drugs. EPO doesn't kill people. Testosterone. If you take too much, you fall asleep or something, right? That's the theory, but there's never been a proven case of it. Well, weren't cyclists dying in their sleep? No, that's a myth. That's not a real thing. No one can name them. That's like, like that's been perpetuated for. I thought all these cyclists would drop no, dead. It's not a real thing. What? There's no evidence of that. It's not a true story. There is simply no. Cyclist, no one has Google, been dies, Oh no, there's like there's been this myth in cycling for, forever, and I'm sure you guys have heard it. It's like Michael, oh, 12 Dutch Michael Goulhart. People die in their sleep all the time. We yeah. don't know if this guy was. I mean, young people there are anomalies, right? People have heart attacks. It can, it just can happen. It's true. I mean, it happens in every sport. Sometimes people die. Johanna Straw from. here. Ever heard of? No, but. <laughs> But the point is, there was a story out there that all oh, twelve Dutch cyclists all died in the so same you're, hotel. You mean it's they, not a true story. So you mean like a, someone gets busted for doping and they go commit suicide? That happens. I, mean, I guess some I people could, would say this sounds callous, but like they shouldn't have been doping; they brought it upon themselves, right? Okay, that's they. You could say that in a fair world where they were doping to try to get an advantage over a bunch of people that weren't, but that's not what happens, right? I guess, yeah, the world of sport I was in, I didn't think everyone else was doping, so it's just different. Well, I mean, honestly, it's like you knew it. Like, it was openly yeah. talked about. You just talk about it in the peloton, and people knew what people were doing. That's just nature. So if this is the world, why start a cycling team? Why are you backing a cycling Well, because, look, kids are going to be just like, there's going to be kids like me that enjoy cycling, and I think if somebody is there to, to help them see why they enjoy it in, for for what it is rather than being obsessed with trying to win and get the Tour de France and also give them some perspective that, you know, life is long and this is not the end all be all. They'll probably make better decisions where I was just kind of learning as I went, right? I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Let's say the top kid on your team, right? he's going to get offers from Europe or something. Then you're telling me he's got to go do stuff that I would tell him if you want to go race there, go do it, but here's what you're going to be faced with. And I don't think it's a good idea to make that decision. If you want to go try to do it clean, go ahead, but you're going to have a very, very hard time. So in your mind, the guys in this team, they're still just breaking the rules. There's no question. Well, let me ask you this. What's in your, your 
if you had to guess how many, how, what percentage of professional cycling is probably taking drugs? It's not zero, right? Yeah. Is it 10%? Let's just be as nice to them as we can and say it's 10%. 10 or 20. That's not the 10% at the back of the Peloton. It's true. I don't know. I guess I, I just, I was content to be the guy in the back of the Peloton, <laughs> but I wasn't even the Peloton, which is different, I mean, but you're right. At some point you're faced with, we need a better system. We do. Um, I mean, the system's crazy. Like the uh, Oscar Pereira, that's the guy who, the 2006 Tour de France winner. He's the winner. He's angry at you for yeah. <laughs> stealing his glory. Yeah. And he didn't. Talk to you about doping during the tour. Not talk to me. He was on my team the previous year, and I helped him do blood doping. I was in the room. But even in 2006, you know, he's... Of course, yes, he did it. We talked about it in the race. This is openly talked During about the race, it. like, you're, he's on a different team. Yeah. You're saying, how's your... Yeah, because yeah, we were friends at that point. We had raced together for two years. Like, he's on a rival team, and you're like, hey, how's your doping coming? For yeah, we, everyone did the same thing. Like, we, no, we didn't invent these techniques. This was, this was a group approach to things right <laughs> it's like a, so you could do epo right now and tour and get away with it you could do epo right now in in enough quantities that you could raise your hematocrit from 44 to 50 in a two-week period and have zero risk None when they see so when the profile see you go 44 to 50 and flag you it would go 44 to 50 in a line that made sense and they would say that there could be a million bi biological factors that would cause that and there's no way to prove that it would be what different. if we started publicly like posting all the blood profiles, all the stuff. I think, like, make it public. Then you're just going to get... First of all, <clears throat> there is something to be said for taking large amounts of data and analyzing, right? Right. Maybe And looking for outliers. But that's also not really a very good approach to trying to stop somebody from doping because if you just look at humans in general, you'll find all kinds of outliers and nobody knows why. It's very... Right. I mean, humans are very... I mean, the, you know, living... Because I said they should make complex. it public and I think the tiger... They would be like, oh, the cheats will learn from this and know what they can push up to and not get caught. Here's one thing I know is that science doesn't hide anything. So if they're arguing that they should keep things a secret, then there's a problem. No, I mean like the blood profiles of all the athletes or something. No, that's my – I agree, but make them all public. I'm with you. Make, you are with me. Go for it. Okay, good. At least you could try to learn something. I don't right. know if it would actually – lead to a better system or better right. approach. But they're like, oh, the cheats will take advantage. I'm like, well, the cheats are already taking advantage and nothing's public, so... Nothing's happening. And I don't, I don't have confidence in the test. That's why you don't have confidence is because if they could show you all this data right. and then say, look, this is why this is an outlier and explain it, that we'd have a reason to actually maybe just sit down and listen. But right now, they're just saying, you're going to have to trust us. We're from the Olympic Committee and you're going to have to trust us. And if you're okay with that, then that's fine. But uh, that's a bizarre approach to life if you ask me that's depressing all right any <laughs> anything else I'm i don't mean to be that depressing look this is just reality and and it was hard on me because i had to live through it and it was directed at me and i felt singled out and i deserved a lot of it but at the end of the day you think you people, don't run you can understand those people aren't gonna have a pity party for you because they're like oh you were cheating but no, i guess everyone should have a pity right. party for me i don't care it's not about me saying i'm a victim i, I didn't mean to come off as a victim in any way and if it sounded that way no i don't think wrong. You, i don't think it sounded that way but what i mean Let's. If you really want to fix it and you believe it's a problem, then let's address it in a in a meaningful way, not just sort of you know haphazard catch a guy here and catch a guy there, thinking that's a deterrent because it isn't. It's not working. Okay. All right. It's been an hour already. We do an hour <laughs> podcast. We're doing an hour to some doping. Do you have anything else more to say about doping? People are missing, or something we could do to clean it up, or we can sort of transition i don't know i'll tell you what if i have any any epiphanies on how to fix it i'll be happy to let you know about it my my well see tell me if you think this is a crazy idea you and lance should get together 
maybe you don't have to be in the same room and talk to each other. But I feel like you guys have the name and the platform. He's so he's upset about the system too. And people are like, why are you guys upset? I'm like, but you guys sound very similar when you talk about the system. Yeah, because we're we're telling the truth. I mean, the system doesn't work. We're not the right messenger. But the other problem is, who's the messenger going to be? No athlete that isn't currently a target of the anti-doping agencies is going to stand up and say, hey, this is fucked up, because then they're going to become a target. Right. You'd have to really believe in that. I feel like you guys, maybe someone who's falsely convicted. We get emails on Let's Run, we sort of dismiss them. I didn't do this. Someone on EPO, they're like, I didn't do this. And yeah. now I'm starting to believe she's like, I swear, like she's not even that problem of an athlete, but maybe it's one they just hang out to drive. I mean, that, even not intentionally, but maybe she had the, who knows? I mean, yeah. these, every scientific test has more, has a margin of error, right? Has a, has a false positive rate. That's just the nature of science. We don't know everything. Right. And so there are going to be people like that get convicted that aren't, guilty especially now where it's just mass hysteria where as soon as somebody says somebody's doping and then especially it's i mean it's directly related to how well they did as well like the more likely they are i mean the closer they were to winning the more likely people are to say of course they were cheating so let's run should we not refer to dopers as drug cheats no you can't i just think it's it's, it's actually a funny way to say it because Cheater. We're trying to shame them. Grew, grew up, it would, you would use the word cheater. So every time they say drug cheat, it's like, it just sounds like it's a funny thing to like, say. <laughs> there's this woman, Mary Slaney. Have you ever heard of her? Yeah. Mary Decker Slaney. And she, maybe we should be more, more, you know, I'm convinced she doped. She was convicted for doping. But they're like, oh, the test was no good. This, You know, it's sort of the same stuff. And I'm like, oh, I don't care. But maybe I should care. People get mad. They're like, but my thing is, like, maybe we should just refer to them that way until they confess, and then we're like, <laughs> Floyd, no, Floyd Landis helping. Maybe I shouldn't have brought that Helping up get to the problem. Now it's like I'm saying I shouldn't be. I shouldn't no, be like, I see like, how you get sick of it, but like, at some point, I'm like, come on, come on, guys, it's 12 years ago. Right. I'm trying to move on You're with more, my life. <laughs> well, we can use that to transition to the next area, sort of. You know, at some point, people quit cycling. People on your team will quit cycling. You quit cycling. I quit running. Well, I run with my dogs, but sort of like, super competitive even if you're working full job you're super competitive like it's crazy how much time even some of these recreational people put into running or cycling oh yeah I mean, they're obsessed like and they see me now like oh you're really into running i'm like i gotta run with my dogs it's <laughs> yeah. fun like what do you mean good. training why would i go do yeah. that <laughs> but sort of i think you have a lot of perspective on like trying to live a better life like what's a better life transitioning from sport yeah so for me it was it was a bit harder than even for, for most athletes. Like at some point, whether you're a professional athlete or you run or ride or do other things because you like it, you improve for a long time. And then at some point you age and then you start getting worse. And I think at that point, that's when you start to find out why you liked it in the first place, right? At least that happened for me. There was a couple of years where I just didn't ride because I just didn't want to be associated with it. And I associated negative feelings with my bike. But but now when I go ride, I get I feel good. Like I, if, if I want to go hard, I go hard up the hill and I get, you know, whatever feeling you get from right. it. And it's like a drug. I mean, it's a, for the people, the people that get that experience from endurance sports, that's something that's very, very hard to replace. Um, and that's why I started doing it as a kid. And I think that's probably why you got into it as a kid, right? Like you like the feeling and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, the competition adds a layer of, of thrill to it. And so yeah, it's it weird. I didn't, about I didn't realize I liked it till later. <clears throat> that's not running punishment. But I knew I was good at it and I like being yeah. good at something. And then I was like, okay, I'm good at it. It's yeah. fine. I'm competitive. There's a very competitive part of me. And then later, like, I think in college, it's like, oh, actually, I love running. Like, just the feeling. Like, 
Yeah. It's not torture. Like if you're doing it right, you're right at the threshold. Yeah, you're pushing exactly. over time. So you're trying to get the most from your body. You're not, you're not making your body do something it can't do. No, it's amazing. And it consumes everything. It's like it, you can, you can be in your own little world. Right. And that's right. And that, that kind of gets lost when you're in the competing side of it. And so I think a lot of people have trouble when they stop competing because that extra risk and thrill that it comes with it is gone, but it's, it takes a while. Like, I mean, it also takes a while when that's all you did. It's weird, but I mean, for, since I was 15 years old till I was 31, when I won the tour, that's all I did. And I wrote so much that it took a couple of years of not riding till I could just ride for half an hour or an hour and get that feeling. Cause once you start doing it six hours a day, then you have to ride six hours a day to get that feeling. Right. So it's basically an addiction. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you can only run about an hour a day. It's much easier. <laughs> yeah. That's it. I mean, I probably should. So you, know, you can probably, you can <laughs> scale down from six hours of biking to like an hour and a half. I can scale down from an hour running, an hour and a half, it's 20 minutes. Just like, go run around. My wife laughs. She's like, you were gone 20 minutes. I'm like, yeah, like, oh, great. Yeah. Dogs got some that's exercise. You know, I'm feeling good. I might pick it up a little bit a few times, but. No, I'm with you. I'm on the same plan now. More than an hour, my knees hurt. I'm not timing my any. I'm not. I'm not on Strava. Put it that way. No Strava for me. Yeah, I'm amazed. Some of my friends like recreational run, and they still put it on Strava. I'm like, <laughs> even worse. Then you're just. I think you're telling people where you're at. Yeah, where are you? Right, come rob your, come rob my house. Um, and also, you know, I think some of this is related to the happy life. It's, then it's out there. Social media. We start comparing ourselves to other people, and like. Then you get depressed. Yeah. Well, it's not something you said, like, uh, how people are obsessed with fame. I mean, you were at the pinnacle at one point. You sort of started off in the Mennonite thing, which I think is, like, you're, it's very away from fame, right? It's oh, like yeah. you guys are doing your own little thing. Yeah. And I think... Fame wasn't even something you thought about or, or saw. Right. There's a lot of simplicity and beauty in yeah. that, I feel like, right? Yeah. But, like, I'm sure there's problems in that as well. But, like, then you're in this whole other world at the pinnacle, and that comes crashing down. And now you're like fully businessman, family man. But like, I don't know, what do you, from that transformation, I'm sure in your head, it's kind of, it's you're figuring it out and it's, it's not that different, but it is but like, what, what would you, what have you learned from some of that? You know, I, I don't know. I, I've been trying to think or envision what it would be like if I just never told the truth, like if I just stuck to the story and here I would be. Oh, now. thank you, please. No, I mean, thankfully you did. Not for you or your sake, but right. for no, like, no, I wonder no. how I would be. And I don't think I'd be as comfortable in my own skin. Like I just, I wasn't comfortable doing that. And I kept thinking with time it would get better, but because that story was so tied to who I am, there was just, there's no way to avoid it. And I couldn't ride my bike and not have it come up. And so I think for me, part of the, I mean, so, like so I, the dep- all the really deep depression, the opioids, that stuff was after confessing most of that? No, it was before, but then I just kind of was hooked on them and I would take them right. more than I should have even afterwards just because, I mean, look, I, again, I knew I knew that what the press was going to do. And I knew Lance had Nike and all kinds of real PR money behind him and it was gonna, I was going to get torched, right? So, and I'd been through it before, but that didn't make it pleasant. And so I just, I had to manage it in my own way. Like in some kind of fucked up way, alcohol just kept me alive. Cause then I was just, I could check out. Like just so your darkest times were before 2010 or after? I don't know. I'd say they were equal. There was a couple of years after 2010 where I just. You seem like in a very good place now, is that? I'm fine now. I mean, I go through like everyone does. It right. has ups and downs, but I think it's a more or less a healthy place. I don't, if I think about it too much, 
I mean, put it this way, if I, if I had to sit and talk about it like this, even a couple of years ago, I would feel a lot of anxiety. And right. I don't really feel that now. You look good. Hopefully I'm no, not. No, I feel fine. Like, <laughs> it used Shouldn't to laugh be about it. Real yeah. anxiety because I just. I you can hear a little like, something in your voice. Like I can see how you it's could not get perfect. how you could get anxious. Yeah, I wouldn't want to people. I don't know. Have to talk about like I don't know how you view it, but something I'm not really proud of. Like, yeah, it'd be it tough, is. right? It's, like no, sorry, but. if people said, "Hey, you did this to you know so and so in eighth grade," it'd be like I don't want to talk about it all the time. <laughs> exactly. And we sit down and we talk for an hour about it. I mean, I think at this point. I've kind of convinced myself that whatever people are going to believe about me now, at least they have a little story and they can right. believe it. And if they don't like me, they're not going to like me. So I'm not going to sit here and try to convince them to like me, but I don't mind speaking just matter of fact about what happened and maybe, you know, there's something to be learned from it, Right. but it's taken a long time. And I'm telling you it's 12 years of, um, yeah, it was, <laughs> there's some dark days, but but I think anything, right? Not everyone's like dope to win the Tour de France, but we all have dark moments in our life. Sure. And like, I don't know, there's got to be, I mean, there's whole industries on this, but like, how do you come back from that? Like, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't, I mean, I have a, I've, I've given that money to the cycling team because I do like cycling and I kind of want to be around it. It's, it's fun. It's got funny personalities there. If you, if you don't let it consume you, it's high comedy, right? right? But, um, well, I've been fortunate to be able to get into another industry where I can completely remove myself from cycling most of the time. And I think that's what's helped keeping me sane. I think if I had to focus on it and stay in, in state in cycling and needed that, then it would be a lot harder to let go of it. Yeah. I think I saw something you're talking about some people like who hang on to cycling, they're ex-cyclists and they go to the race. Yeah. And, and so much of their identity is from that. And I'll see it with running like these old timers. It's I'm mean, getting old myself, but they yeah. hey, remember this race in 75. And I'm like, maybe I shouldn't judge because I'm sure there's stuff I do, but I'm sure. like, I hope their identity isn't tied for that. Cause that's gone. Like, yeah, it's fun to reminisce and like, Hey, that was fun. Sure. But if like, if that's all you were is the 25 year old cyclist or 30 year old, whatever it was like that goes away. Like there's, we get one shot at life and like, yeah. So yeah. If 25, I mean, it was great. Right. Like when I was running competing, when I moved to Flagstaff to train full time, oh yeah, for four, four months, it's great. It was awesome, and yeah. life was simple. Yeah, like it's run. What else? What people? What else you do? Like, like nothing. It's nothing. <laughs> it like was it. great. Do whatever I wanted, but like it was just easy <laughs> and agree. fun. You were so committed to something. Yeah. But I think that commitment. I saw something you said. Like you said, life has to have a purpose. And I used to think, oh, running has has no. It's this is pointless. It's selfish. I'm like, oh, I'll start a website and help people do the thing that I consider yeah. kind of pointless. But I'm like, no, I want them to help get more from their life. But sort of, yeah, it's. I didn't mean it as as like a higher purpose. I just meant like it helps to just have a goal or something right, you're trying yeah. to get to. Right. That way, because if you just let life, if you stop for a second and look around, man, it gets overwhelming. There's so many fucked up things happening, and it's hard to find, you know, the. Then you start looking for a meaning. It doesn't have to have a meaning, right. but a goal. A goal is what it, for me at least. Right having a goal like okay i'm get up i'm gonna go do that and i'll get distracted and maybe i'll think about the past sometimes but at least i have something to focus yeah on. no i agree with you like we need stuff to strive for yeah like, we should always be trying to improve that. right like yeah the world's effed up you could also there's also a lot of beauty in the world so it's like i don't know one thing i'm you can focus on the negative or evil in the world or the good and it's like 
we're never going to get rid of the crap. Like yeah. I'm sure if you went around in like 1950, people were like, oh, this is terrible. Oh yeah, people thought like, the world's going to yeah, or like whatever, right? Or people, some people were like, oh, the 50s were so good. I'm like, oh, we had like institutional racism yeah. and like this women. Is called, could, like, so it's like, wait, what are you talking about, right? Like, you know, now it's like, oh, these people have it terrible, and I'm like, you can always I watch. You can always. I watched on that. national news last night for some reason the first time. Oh man, don't do that. Holy moly! It's, it's just grim. like one thing after it's another. Grim. And you can watch it all night and it never ends. Man. Yeah. Um, I saw some, I don't know if it was the Atlantic one, but it was like, it was talking about your parents and they said like, my parents were right about a lot of things. And one of them is like, you have to accept things before you can be happy. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, don't, I try not to get too overly philosophical about things. It just ends up sounding cliche. But, right. But for me, yeah. I mean, I wanted to fight it for so long and, I guess over time I knew that I'd never undo like whatever, you know, image I had. And it wasn't like I could, I thought I was going to fix it, but being, just being able to be, you know, bluntly honest about it. Some, some people don't necessarily like that approach, but it feels so much better than the alternative for me that, right. that I'm okay. Now I accept it. This is what it was and this is what it is. And if you, yeah, I mean, you can disagree with what I did, but at least here, here's the whole story. Right. But also, I think the acceptance is like you can't change it, so you have to accept no, it. Correct, right? Yeah, like that's what it is. I think that sort of, if I would say I've had any sort of epiphanies in, I don't know, the most recent part of my life, it's like focus on what you can control, right? And if you oh, don't, well, and actually, some of this at the acceptance, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, I, I, I pretend I don't care what people think about me, but I do sometimes. But I'm like, oh, okay. I'm like, boy, just don't get quite so upset. Like, <laughs> yeah. or if someone sees me and calls me an asshole on the run, I don't see it sometimes. Yeah. You're like, oh, you didn't see this fight? I'm like, oh, good thing I didn't see that one. You know, but if they say something about my brother, like, oh, then I get angry. No, I want to defend him. Myself, yeah. certain stuff, I don't care. But certain things about me, I, yeah. I would care more, like, if they said, uh, you know, I don't know. But it's easier said than done. But I feel like people can be mean on the internet. And I, I don't even know if some of them realize how it's perceived on the other end. Like, because I have friends that write in different ways and they, some of them come off a lot more aggressive and blunt. And they don't actually even mean it that way. Like if they'll send you an email, right. Depending on how they wrote it. Some of them are oh, just, right. just plain assholes and don't care. But right. there's, I think there's a lot of people in the internet that don't really have, have put any thought into what it might be, but feel like on the other end, or if that person's even reading it. You know yeah. I mean? I mean, like in our forums, people blast some of these stars oh, and I'm like, go crazy. <laughs> and I'm like, look, people call and upset. Can you remove this? I'm like, it's their opinion. And maybe they could argue we should go the other way, but I'm like, why do you care? I think it's therapy for them, honestly. I the people blasting it? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. I think it's their therapy. Like, this is my little group, and I can just say whatever the hell I please and get it out of my system, and then I can go about my day. Yeah, then they go back and are nice to their kid. And yeah, which whatever. I wife mean, that and whatever. Value, that's great. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, it, I try to tell people, like, with the fame, it's going to come, you know. I'm like, if they're talking about you, and you're somebody. They're yeah. not talking about Joe Blow at the road yeah. race. But it, it's kind of crazy, like – some of the vitriol you'll see. I mean, they're like, not, they're not, they're not I think it's getting worse too to sit and write it. That's what amazes me. Is yeah, some aren't just like one liner. Some oh, are like man, like well thought out. <laughs> I mean, you might disagree with them, but they'll sit there and write it, and they got their arguments. Yeah, I'm sure you must have seen some crazy stuff. I, know, I, I finally learned how to not you know, read it. <laughs> well, good. Or just laugh at it, or know when to read it. Now, like if I'm in a fucking mood and I can laugh at it, then I'll read it. But and to, and to be honest, I've actually run into some of the people that probably were guilty of writing things like that and have actually said it to me and said they felt bad. Now they're like, oh, now I actually see you're a person. I would never actually say that. <laughs> yeah, they'd write a lot of stuff they wouldn't say you're a Yeah, face, right? so that makes me think that I'm actually 
they're not actually evil people. It's just some kind of therapy. Like it lets them get out whatever right. feelings they have about who knows what. Well, it may not even be directed at me or whatever they're writing about. It's just they're just angry at, you know, something in the world and this is their outlet for it. Not yeah. defending everybody. Some of them yeah, are no, some are, right? Yeah. yeah. There's a spectrum, right? It's 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 nuts. Um so maybe yeah, like the purpose, like what is Floyd the Red Bull now your purpose? Like sort of when you get up every day, like what motivates you is just being a better yeah. father, a better yeah, partner. I have a daughter and she's four years old now. And that's something positive to focus on. And it, and I love it. I mean, I, this, I'm at a, a, I was lucky. I'm at the right point in my life where I have enough time to spend with her and things are going well in my business. And so I can, you know, spend my time with her when I need to just see something positive. Cause she's happy, right? Everything's new to her. The world is new and it's fun. It's new. Yeah, kids aren't jaded. No, not at all. They see, the, they see the beauty in the world. <laughs> no, exactly. They love it. And it's and it's funny. They see things I don't normally notice. And so that part has been probably the best part of my life. But but the business is fun, too. And I I like being part of a team. And that's kind of what a small business is, right? You, everybody has their own roles. But they're also everyone's just trying to accomplish the same goal because it's small enough that everyone sees the same goal, right? You don't just have big departments where I'm doing this and you're doing that. And so it's kind of... It's rewarding in that sense. It feels like I'm part of a group of people that has a purpose. And, and yeah, I mean, it comes with its challenges and doesn't always go well, but just having having something to focus on and, and trying to make that, move that ball forward is almost as rewarding as having a daughter. Interesting. Yeah, I don't have kids yet, but sort of, even with Let's Run, I've been doing it for 18 years, but like, I think of it, no, I'm like an entrepreneur. And like, you've been doing the same thing for 18 years. I'm like, <laughs> And there's only like five of us, but it's like, no, it's like, it's its own little it's thing. It's a project. Yeah. yeah, it's a project. Yeah. And I should think, feel like some of us should have more goals and that sort of stuff, but like, I'm motivated when I, you know, get up every day. Yeah, it's something you care about. Yeah. I mean, that's what's... And even I get to pick and choose yeah. stuff when I do. Like, I usually don't do stuff like this. And I was really excited. I'm like, okay. Yeah. And yeah, I'm like, oh, maybe I can, I want to get back and trying to somehow improve sport. Maybe I'm just when I go back to optimistic world, and maybe I think I can do it, and then I give up for five or ten years, and I'm like, I'm like oh, I have a platform. Maybe if we can point stuff Try out, again, send yeah. people somewhere, and get some people together. But I don't know. It's better than just sort of no, throwing up your hands and complaining, yeah, right? Yeah, I agree. And, and look, I'm guilty of saying a few times that I think they should just give up on anti-doping. I don't really think that as a as a, an, a global approach, they should just give up. What I think is that they should rethink what they're doing now and just just pause it for a second because I think it's doing more harm than good. And it certainly isn't looking like it's promising for the long term. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't look for a solution. I don't, I don't know what the solution is. And there's, there's right. no harm in trying and brainstorming and, you know, having smart people try to figure out a solution. But I just, and, you know, it's again, it's, because it's coming from me, it's somewhat biased, but I think the system doesn't work. Yeah, if no, you, I think... If, if trying to fix it makes your makes you feel like you're, you know, accomplishing something. You probably are. I mean, somebody will figure something out. There's, there's ways to solve pretty much any problem. It's just, this one has a big Yeah. Crack. And maybe it's like running or cycling, just you put one foot in front of another and eventually yeah, you get somewhere, but it's like, Oh, where are, it's so, you know, sometimes you get so overwhelmed. It's like, yeah. but even in business or something, same thing. I'm like, Oh, I got to do this and this. And I'm like, Oh, it's too overwhelming. It's like one foot in front oh, of another. Yeah. Right. Like, yeah, that happens right every, every week or so. I'll, I'll have a day where I'm like, man, I got myself in my head here. I can't, right. I can't manage it all. But, Okay, so the, the Floyd stuff, 
I mean, the whole reason this came about, you guys like originally reached out to about advertising, and you may do that, but I'm like, I want no, this. To, do that, yeah. I want this to be separate. So I was like, I'm talking to Floyd regardless, and then you're like, we'll send you the stuff. <laughs> and so, but now I'm intrigued by this because as an athlete, also like I would do anything to get better, as long as I thought it was legal. But yeah. like people would be like, you know, oh, like I could, you know, there's lines. I, I guess I would draw the lines at sort of the water rules, but like caffeine, I'd see how much you could take, you know, before. And I, I remember thinking it's cool. Like I went to my first U S road championships and I saw this guy drinking a coffee and I heard he's supposed to drink coffee. And like, I got 10th place and I was so excited. I'm like, I was drinking, I drank coffee and I won some prize money. And I was just like, and some people, oh, these pure purists like, Oh, you shouldn't drink coffee. And it's like, whatever, man. Yeah, but whatever. like, but at this, I got all this stuff in the mail and I'm like, I don't know what I thought it was going to be. You guys have a lot of stuff, like, like, oh, and also some of the yeah, some of the stuff, good. like the, you know, like the. So I, mean, I should like br- I should probably be doing a video. I, I thought it was like creams, but like also I'm not into weed, so it's like, oh, uh, some stuff I'm skeptical. But then I started reading up on it. And I'm like, if there's a better way to help with inflammation, that sort of stuff, like Those stuff, it really that's one thing that's been clearly proven. So what? Yeah, what for so, a runner? Okay, so let me just explain that there's a couple of variations of stuff we make. So this stuff um, that you have here is, from what I can tell, made from isolate. So there's there's a secret package he's opening up let here. Just, let me just, um, I think there's just some more problems with stuff. All this stuff is made, oh, this, this, is full, this is full spectrum. So, all right, so. Hold on, let me get my, let me get my video camera. Yeah, yeah, Keep no all right, let's run, you guys should know. Okay. Floyd Landis, explaining. <laughs> So how to get away with doping? So no, me, just kidding. yeah, I'll Sorry, be able to help you with that. Are the jokes so loud or not? Of course. So uh, just as as a baseline understanding, hemp is where we get the CBD from, and hemp is cannabis that's got less than 03 percent THC. That's just a uh, regulatory threshold that determines whether cannabis is hemp or marijuana. And so you can extract as, as you would with marijuana, you can extract the oils from the bud, the flower part of it. And then you have a, what we call as a full spectrum oil. And it's got, it does have trace amount of THC in it. So we have a line that we put black labels on it. It says full spectrum and it's got um, 600 milligrams of, of CBD in this particular bottle, but it does have trace amounts of THC in it. Some people are completely averse to that or, or, working as an airline pilot or something that have a theoretical risk of using that. The other stuff. So you can have CBD without THC. Yeah. So there's a way to take the oil and then isolate the THC and turn it into, it just ends up being, it's a chemical process. It ends up being just a white powder. Like you, and then you could add it to, to things just as you would caffeine or something. Right. So that's what we make most of this stuff out of. So these, we have like a protein recovery mix. It's got 25 milligrams of isolate in it and there's zero THC or any other compounds from happen it's just pure cbd um and we make a couple flavors of those and we make a hydration mix some people like a small amount of cbd before a workout they feel like it it helps relax them or do you have pain or what i think it's more of a focus thing like it helps you my i cannot be add if i took this stuff in the morning so it really helps with that actually and it it helps people that that can't sleep at night for that reason like when your mind's running at night it doesn't make you tired but if you take it at night it's it has this just kind of calming, subtle calming feeling that it's a, it's actually a really nice just sleep aid. Um, but yeah, like for, it doesn't make you tired. It's just more of a helps you manage your, your thoughts. I'll be interested in hearing what you think of it if you try it out. Um, and then we have a, we have a couple different variations. We have a topical. Um, so this this one's got the black label too. So it has very small amounts of THC, and this is fifty milligrams. A good dose if you're taking it orally is twenty five to fifty milligrams 
And this just to sort of help you be calm or like recovery or both? Both. It helps with pain and, and like, I, I don't want to oversell it right. because people then will think I'm crazy, but it, it has, it has a couple of very, very noticeable effects. One is it helps manage pain and the other is that it helps just focus and calm, calms your mind. And it's a noticeable effect too. So you take it every day? I do. Yeah. I really like it. But like um, the, you take a pill and the, and the liquid. And so the, 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 what's in the pill and what's in the tincture is exactly the same thing. It's just more economical to make it this way because we don't have to put it into a gel capsule, right? So some people buy this because it's slightly less expensive. It just, it tastes like, I mean, it's oil. Like uh, it's tastes like marijuana. So some people don't like the taste. Um, but then we, you, once you have the isolate, you can put it into other things. Like this is a transdermal cream that we make using a pharmaceutical grade base um, that, works surprisingly well i was skeptical at first um but we have so like my back hurts yeah, that on there? yeah it doesn't work for everybody all the time if it's going to work for the kind of pain you're using it on it'll work in 15 minutes you'll know um probably two maybe two or three pumps of it and just rub it on and around the, the area where it hurts and it's we've had so amazing I'm, feedback from that stuff what are these little gels and these are just more like warm up and and rubs for for sports right they smell they have more smell this doesn't have any smell to it these are like, a, there's an Arnica one. There's a, there's like a warming one. It's got a spice in it. This one's Arnica. People like different, you know, um, herbal, herbal topicals. I'm not, you know, not a huge fan of them, but it's, it's a bit, it's big in cycling, especially people like kind of. A yeah. Run. So it's, I mean, I guess cycling's more your thing, but in terms of running, I mean, also like, I guess you have two businesses. You have this thing in, you sell like weed, people can smoke it, yeah, whatever, yeah. like. That's in Leadville, or that's in Denver too. Like, it seems like Leadville. So we have a store. We have a store in Leadville, and then we have three stores in Portland, um, Oregon, Portland, Oregon. Yeah, and, and Leadville, Leadville's small, nowhere, but right? we yeah, but it's a de- decent place to have a dispensary because um, in Colorado they 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 left the local jurisdictions with the option whether they want to allow it or not, and so there's quite a few towns south of Leadville that don't allow marijuana, so we get business from those towns. So it's it's not a bad spot to have a store. And could um, you? I mean, sort of being a regulated industry can be good or bad, but like they can keep out your competitors. That'd be great. But like, <laughs> yeah. like can you go open up in Denver or everybody's already in Denver? So there's no, no you can. And it's a, it, there's a market for licenses. I mean, there, there's still some new licenses. There's only issued, so many licenses that they get out. So that depends as well that on a, in a given city or a given County, the, the local jurisdiction or municipality can limit it. So Denver didn't necessarily limit initially. Now I think there's some limits to it, but you can buy and sell these licenses. So, yeah. We could do it in Denver. Um, and the money is it's hard to like put in the banking system still, or is that still? Yeah, of- it's complicated. And there are some banks that will bank with marijuana businesses in Colorado, but it's the cost is really high. So a lot and of can you keep the take cash. CBD? Is the CBD the same business or is it separate? Business? No, we keep it completely separate because the cost of, I mean, the regulatory cost of growing marijuana is very high because they just, the amount of paperwork and surveillance, you know, they, they want to track where this, how much you grew all the way to where it was sold because they don't want the federal government saying, Hey, the state of Colorado doesn't know how to manage this. Right. So there's a lot of cost to it. Whereas on the hemp side, when we grow hemp, we have a little bit of regulatory cost on the farming side of it when we grow it. But after that, there's, it doesn't have the tracking system. So hemp's a completely different crop, but it has THC in it. And it's regulated completely differently. As long as there's less than 0.3% THC by dry weight when you harvest it, then it's called hemp. So you, you can, there's also farming anomalies. Do people too, smoke so. hemp? Yeah, they do. The, the really high quality stuff, you can smoke it. And it's, if you smoke CBD flour, it's, it's nice. I mean, like it's a nice relaxing feeling. So long-term, do you think the, the CBD part's going to be much bigger? I mean, I feel like you could 
One, you're not limited in, to location, right? Yeah. Well, eventually so marijuana may be legal everywhere in America, but it's not. It'll be a while, yeah. But there's a huge market for performance athletes or yeah, there anyone is. with pain or like whatever it is, right? Like you don't have to be an athlete, right? I mean, like right, my exactly. mom is, she probably consumes more Advil than the rest of us. <laughs> I'll have to get her some CBD. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they're both, I like both sides of it. I, I like the marijuana side. I mean, it's a, it's a funny crowd. It's people that really like marijuana. And so it's a whole <laughs> new experience for me, but um, I enjoy marijuana once in a while. Not, not every day. I don't feel like I get much done if I'm high, but um, I do, I do like the dispensary side of it, but the CBD side has taken a lot of our time lately just because it's, it's done quite well. And, and it's, it's meaningful. Like it really does help people. I mean, we get, so the marijuana side, you guys have to grow the plant yourselves. You can't buy them <clears throat> from someone else. There's a liquid market for that as well, but that's within a, a regulated framework where it has to be transported by a certain, you know, licensed operation to another licensed operation. And there's a, a tracking system and it's complex. I feel like if they can track these plants, we should be able to have better anti-doping. <laughs> Maybe you can put those guys from the uh, alcohol and uh, tobacco uh, <laughs> Put them in, in put charge. Them in charge. <laughs> and didn't Jeff Nowitzki go into something else? Yeah, that was sketchy as well, right? He, now he's in charge of the oh. anti-doping at MMA, which I'm sure is all cleaned up now. But I guess paid a lot better than Yeah, I don't fault him for that, but yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so like, well, maybe we'll actually one more. I'll keep going this thing. Sure. I'm a runner. What should I buy? So, I mean. Or I, I don't know. Or do you have different markets? Like if you're trying to, people could have recovery. I feel like there's so many products. Going, what's your best seller? Where do you, so what do you think people should Our start? best sellers are these gel capsules and our, and the, the transdermal cream. I mean, this stuff works extraordinarily well. I just try it out. Um, so the cream is more for like, you have a cream and a balm. What's the difference? Uh, they're both more or less the same thing. The balms have other just herbal um, substances mixed into them, but they're just meant for topical pain or topical soreness, things like that. Um, you seem to know a lot about the science, or so you started this thing on your own, or you well, investors started, come to you, or like how did this come about? Like I started on my own in the, on the marijuana side of it. We initially the business we started was uh, a couple friends and I started a company where we did the extraction of the oils from the plant. So there are a bunch of ways you can get the oils out of the, the bud, right? You, you can use solvents or heat and pressure and things like that. And we, we were running an operation using CO2 as a solvent and extracting the oils, making concentrates. Um, and that's the same thing you do with, with hemp. So when the, the hemp opportunity came along a couple years ago, we just, we do the extraction on that side and we make the raw material and then we, um, we mix it into different things depending on what people are trying to accomplish. Like we try to make it convenient. If you're, if you're going to, some people use a, a protein shake for breakfast or after a workout or whatever. And so we add it to things like that, that are, that's something they're already used to using. And it's also less, it, it's less, appears less taboo, right? There's still people that are concerned like, Oh, this is a marijuana product or it's a hemp product. They don't understand what hemp is. It's still got right. this like kind of hippie image. Um, and so, we try to put it in things that people are used to taking anyway, and then they can, you know, see for themselves if they, if they experience a benefit from it. But our best sellers are generally the topical cream and uh, ingestible capsules because they're a higher dose and you can get with that. And it's easy and convenient to take, but um, yeah, we, we get good feedback. We very rarely in some ways that says, look, I didn't get any benefit from this at all. And are you like the CEO? Yeah. The CEO. We have, I have a couple partners, but um, I'm the majority shareholder. How often are you? How often do you split time between New York and Colorado and Portland? I spend most of my time in Colorado. I'm a resident there. Um, and I'm here, you know, 
I don't know, uh, 25% of the time. In Portland, I don't coach you too much. We have a pretty good staff there that, that manages all the, the stores there, so I don't have to be there quite as much. And we don't have a cultivation there, so it's not quite as much to manage. It's just the stores. We buy the raw material there. In Colorado, we grow our own stuff. Your, so your family's here? <clears throat> there's more. They travel a bit with me, yeah. Yeah, I miss, I miss the mountains. Colorado is nice, but yeah. All right. Is there anything else we've missed or need to discuss? No, I don't think so. You know, I think a lot of a lot of the of the sales we get are, are purely word of mouth. People that have tried CBD products and benefited from them and tell their friends about it. I mean, we, because it's it's not quite regulated as a as a supplement, and it's also not we're not allowed to make any medical claims. We we try. I mean, we say relax and recover. I mean, it's meant for just using after a workout. There's other things you can use it for, but you know, we don't make any claims. We just rely on sort of word of mouth people you know, telling their friends that they benefited from it. Interesting. What about in general, in terms of just conversation or just anything we missed apart from CBD? <laughs> no. Well, we didn't solve the doping problem, but I think we're we almost did. there. We're almost we'll there. there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> All right. One final question. Runners or cyclists, you know, you were saying who's more awkward or maybe break down the difference between the social awkwardness of runners and cyclists. Oh, man. Cyclists. I, I don't know. I, I haven't spent nearly as much time around runners, obviously. But cyclists, and, and I've, I've always attributed it to just being generally endurance athletes. Right. But they, they tend to be, they, they kind of, I think they like to be in groups and they like to go do things around people. But then when they try to interact with each other, it's the weirdest, most awkward thing. They're, they're, I don't know, they're a strange crowd. I like that. They generally tend to be. And you're one of them. You're one of them too. So yeah. yeah well, sort of. <laughs> no longer. They tend to be educated and, or, and, and intelligent, right? That it's, it attracts a, crowd of people that are that are entertaining but for whatever reason they seem to be lacking in social skills i guess that's what makes it fun too if you just laugh at it yeah and speaking intelligence did you go to college no Did you going to go to yale law school or business school or which one are you trying to get into i tried to go to yale they didn't let me in because they said I yale cheated. undergrad yeah oh interesting <laughs> i did i, I should have let you meeting in with the, i went uh, there and it's oh, i'm sure it would have been awesome no but yeah. like you're a smart guy like you're thoughtful and smart and like yeah, I would have been They want everybody who like has traditional upbringing has a 4.0, whatever, 1600 in SAT. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's good, but you have a lot of really smart people. Like, why don't we pay people from more diverse backgrounds? Yeah. Like, you're. I, you I understood their argument. He, he, you know, the dean of admissions said that they've got a lot of people, you know, making donations and sometimes they have to leave kids out because they cheated on exams. And he's like, this doesn't really exactly, you know, overlap with that but i'm gonna have a hard time making the argument that this you know wasn't cheating and i was like okay well i mean i can't really argue against it if that's your position and so be it but um i should have hired you though yeah if, if we had won the cross-country team is not one the ivy league championships it's called the heps since like 1946 right? since really? the war Oh man! If we, if we, if I won that in college, I would have never run afterwards. Seriously, they, they just stop recruiting for that purpose, though, right? No, they keep recruiting, and trying hard, and doing. Really? Sorry, guys, not What's very good. <laughs> listening. Um, could have put you know. We could have to go help them. Yeah, help them. How was living up there in New Haven? What was it I, like? It was great. I love New Haven. I haven't been up there in a while, but I like it. It's a cool little town. It gets a bad rep. It didn't seem that bad to me. I think one like. Around. All right, we're still live here on this thing. I'm gonna bash Harvard. <laughs> I shouldn't, but it's funny. Like, I guess I'm the stereotype. Oh, your dad went to y'all. I used to hate it. I'm like, actually, my dad did. Damn it. But like, I was a smart guy. My brother went to Princeton. We're twins, though, so we have to be smart. I mean, <laughs> if he was smart and I wasn't, we'd be in trouble. But um, 
I feel like there's a type of kid who goes to Yale. Some kids just want to go to school based on rank and right, reputation, yeah. which is terrible. But like, if you're going to pick Yale over some other school, like the town isn't quite as nice. It's more of a real right, yeah. vibe. And that type of person isn't as quite type A and like I gel with them better. And so like, yeah. even if just 20% of people at Yale are like that, I feel like it makes a certain vibe for the community. It's kind of part of the town, right? You kind yeah. of, when you hit the you're campus, it. like you walk out and you're in the town. It's yeah. not, it's pretty, it's, it's real. Isolated. I feel like it's more real yeah. world. My twin brother went to Princeton. It's like, it's beautiful, but it's like a Wall fake off. little country club, yeah. right? It's like yeah. out in the hills and it is pretty nice. over there. We give them that. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. You gave me way too much time. No, it doesn't matter. All right. Thank you. <laughs>